Welcome back to another episode of Fintech X. And today we are in conversation with two very special guests, Mr. Nitish Jain and Mr. Alex Yang, Associate Professors at London Business School. India, a country with more than 1.3 billion people, is making a move towards a radical and disruptive tech finance alliance. This alliance between technology and finance is upgrading, all the while enhancing operations. Primarily, fintech is the combination of technology in finance, offering effective financial solutions than traditional institutions. Thank you, Alex and Nitish, for taking out the time to do this podcast with us. If you could tell our listeners a little more about yourself. Sure. Uh, I'm Nitish. I'm a faculty member at London Business School in operations area. I have been here for the last five years. And before that, I had a mix of industry experience and an MBA from Indian School of Business. I primarily do research in supply chain issues. And Alex, to you. Uh, sh- sure. Uh, thank, thank you for, for this, uh, for, for arranging this. And I'm Alex Yang. So I'm uh, Nitish's uh, colleague at the London Business School. I've been at London Business School uh, for what, seven, nine years already. And uh, so this year, I'm actually taking a leave from the school and visiting Hong Kong. Uh, my main research area is in uh, supply chain finance and uh, fintech. Uh, so Anichich and I, we have been in collaboration on a couple of uh, papers on, on related topics. Thank you so much, Alex, for taking uh, time from your time off, actually, which is uh, mm-hmm. really, uh, thank you so much for uh, you know doing this podcast with us. So we'll start with the questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, it's for both of you. Um, uh, maybe Nitish, uh, you can go first in this one. So FinTech has witnessed yeah. remarkable growth in the market. What are your views on that? And then first, Anitish, you can give your views and then followed by Alex. Sure. So, uh, yes, indeed, uh, what we are seeing is that FinTech is taking a remarkable uh, uptake in the last few years. Like if you see last year, global, uh, we have seen almost 40 billion being funded, uh, invested in FinTech startups which is almost a 100% uptake compared to 2017. And what is heartening to see is that it's not just the conventional strong areas of US and Europe, but a lot of investment is also being done in China, India, South Africa, and so on. What is also interesting to see is that funding is now being concentrated on mature firms. That means investors have realized that certain business models when it comes to fintech adding value to the business, to the economy. And we see a decline in early stage funding. So the area is overall seems to be maturing. And I hope to see much more investments going forward in India. So that's my, I think, yeah, broad view. Alex? Yeah, I think, uh, as Nitish was saying, I, I also see, I actually I see huge potentials in this area. And uh, uh, in actually in, in all kinds of uh, sectors within the financial service industry, uh, from from lending to payment, actually to insurance and uh, uh, investment, investment, uh, investment management. So yeah, I think there are 
uh, I've seen uh, we've seen a, a very balanced growth over different uh, over different areas. So these days, uh, I mean, I was reading a couple of months back, a lot of uh, towns and cities basically uh, are uh, being uh, are coming up just solely focused on uh, fintech and blockchain technology and all this. So, what are your views on that? Because I read somewhere that uh, Barcelona was also focusing on um, creating this uh, this kind of city that was very blockchain oriented and technology oriented. Uh, blockchain is an interesting issue. <laughs> I yeah, think, of course, uh, well, uh, it comes with controversy. Yeah, we do a little bit of research on blockchain. I think it depends on the technology. I don't want to go to too sort of detail. Uh, but I, I think. Uh, but I think overall, uh, what you said, like each city is trying to build a ecosystem of technology and financial firms, right? Yeah. And I think uh, what everybody has, everybody has recognized that fintech can actually help a uh, lot of inclusion of players who are not able to access conventional banking or financing okay. solutions, right? And with that focus, I think we are seeing uh, various cities, various uh, countries taking lead in that, yeah. right? And I think, uh, uh, Alex, in China also, you see that there's a huge support for this? Uh, huge support for financial inclusion, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, for, yeah. for blockchain, I think is uh, the view is a little bit... Uh, Sort of bifurcating in the sense that mm -hmm. uh, companies uh, in general support in general support this is what we call a permission blockchain, which is basically uh, several companies form a consortium to to sort of uh, uh, them. Uh, but for uh, open blockchain like Bitcoin, uh, I think. Overall, the view is a little bit mixed, as far as I know. I think the, the, the Indian Central Bank is, exactly. uh, is having some views on the Facebook Libra, right? Right, right. Yeah. So I, I, I can see that. I think that, that can be a little bit uh, radical. <laughs> so if you could trace the groundbreaking moments of FinTech all over the world, Alex, we start with you, and then British, you can follow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, that, that, that's actually a good question. I, I think there are, uh, if we look at fintech in the modern science, in the modern modern science, I think you can almost trace as back as to the 60s, where Visa basically becoming a, a electronic. It, it has made transaction more electronic. And uh, if we look at, uh, for example, uh, the, the application of uh, advanced advanced analytics, which we use a lot these days, uh, that, that made me think of Capital One, you know, the, the American bank that used, heavily used very scientific information-based method to acquire customers, more of um, like what we do uh, today for the internet economy. And then, of course, you have PayPal, which uh, a lot of people say is uh, the, the first the true fintech company that actually allowed, uh, enabled online purchase, and uh, that, that absolutely changed uh, uh, our online behavior. This day. Yeah. Yeah. 
and i think yeah complimenting uh, alex view what i think in last decade what has also accelerated the growth of fintech startups is probably the the accessibility of technology development if you see cloud technology uh, over the last 4 5 years the development cost for small teams have gone drastically down so now people can really not just focus on the hurdles of making a product but what that product should serve so people are yeah. now focusing more on innovating how to solve the problems of firms of individuals and so on so that probably is one ground breaking moment uh, here and i also believe in that line the latest launch by um, microsoft's uh, azure in blockchain development that will again take the intricacies of blockchain and has a technology and challenges there like a black box and people can just focus on how to use blockchain as a concept to start right. making more creative so uh, fintech has its uh, very own ecosystem there are a lot of components so when we say fintech uh, when we say talk about fintech there are a lot of components that come within fintech itself so just yeah. give us uh, Uh, you, you can shed some light on each components. Uh, I mean, classify fintech first into certain components, and then give some brief information about each. Hmm. Uh, sure. You want to go for? Yeah. Uh, okay. So, like, uh, how I see the ecosystem of fintech is basically there are three main players that need to play uh, their own active role. One is the regulator side. it's a very important part of fintech ecosystem and the second is where is the funds coming from and there still the major role is being played by financial institutes or even the banks who are willing to uh, share their fund so that uh, the beneficiaries of fintech ecosystem can gain access to these funds and then the third is the platform the providers right the fintech startups as a main technology providers who are connecting different stakeholders by their product so these are three main components uh, that i believe uh, are going to make this fintech ecosystem stick and sustain uh, going forward and each has their very important role uh, just to talk briefly uh, we see right now Uh, the regulators are still exploring what to do in this space how to balance this uh, innovation that is coming from these new startups but also uh, manage the exposure that may come with such innovative solutions and the uh, the banking and financial institutions are still figuring out how to look to these fintech startups are these uh, are comp- collaborators or in some sense also competitors because we are kind of fighting for the same space or same set of um, needs at the of the firms and individuals right so, so this, this is a very interesting uh, right now growth phase for this ecosystem and i am believe in the next 5 years we will get to see how this shape shops very well we can actually already see a major shift towards fintech as in uh, the amount of trust that people had in uh, fintech what it was like 5 years before or it is already shifted like it's already changed the trust level is increased and with more technology more uh, better security in terms of uh, 
better programming and all i think it's just uh, making a major shift towards uh, fintech so uh, alex what what would you say about the components of uh, this uh, ecosystem fintech ecosystem <laughs> That's a good question. So just to expand, I think what Nitesh was saying, uh, regulatory investor and the business themselves. So if I if I if I may extend the the business part a little bit, I I think uh, from the from the ventures perspective, uh, if we think about it, they they sort they pretty much do three types of uh, they have three types of functions. One type of fintech, they are basically. Uh, they, 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 their role is to make traditional financial service uh, more efficient. For example, traditionally, uh, risk management has uh, has to have a lot of human involvement, manual processing. Now, if we use uh, advanced analytics, that allows us to automate it. Mm -hmm. And we're talking about maybe uh, chatbots which uh, sort of complement or even replace part of human uh, customer repre uh, service representative. So that's the first role. And the second one is, I think it, it basically, you have a lot of companies that focus on enabling uh, or uh, creating, developing uh, new product offerings. Uh, credits, for example, I think that's based on technology. They have more flexibility uh, such that they can develop new products that the banks normally, normally it will be too costly for the banks to offer. Right. And the final thing, of course, is to better connect uh, customers to different uh, product services, uh, whether it's existing service or new service. You're talking about uh, from a website that compares different mortgage rate to um, say even uh, P2P finance, it allows uh, investors to have access to investment opportunities which they wouldn't have before. Yeah, I think all the these three areas are actually quite uh, quite exciting. Yeah. So, uh, what has been fintech's impact on the global market, as in uh, not just to a specific area, but uh, overall globally? What has been its impact, and uh, how is it uh, having a having an advantage? How is it increasing uh, efficiency for others uh, sectors as well? Uh. In, in terms of, uh, sorry, did you see you? No. Okay. Yep. Uh, I, I think uh, in, in terms of uh, fintech impact, uh, of course, we think financial service itself is, the, the, the meaning of financial service is to enable uh, value creation in other, in other sectors, right? The idea is we want to keep transaction costs on the financial stage such that uh, more value can be created in the other sectors. Uh, from what we do uh, in supply chain finance, we actually see a uh, huge value created through this type of uh, fintech product. Uh, I, I'm sure uh, Credix has a lot of examples on their, hand, on, on, on their side. Uh, for, for our part, actually, this year I'm visiting Hong Kong and I have uh, quite some research collaboration with Chinese companies. Uh, they offer uh, products that are similar, or I would say, at a, with a similar theme of what Credix was offering, as Credix is offering. And uh, in that in that case, we've seen a lot of examples where uh, supply chain finance type of products would enable companies to uh, prepare inventory. 
prepare a more uh, substantial amount of inventory in order to meet demand. Uh, especially when this type of during this type of situations where you have very seasonal volatile demand. Uh, one example I can give you, I don't know if you're aware of this. So, uh, so, so in China, the major sort of uh, online uh, shopping day is called single day. Uh, is uh, at November 11, so it's all single numbers. And during that day, the total transaction volume Chinese spend online is many times more than Black Friday, more than Black Friday in, uh, in the States. So to prepare for that major event, all the small businesses need to stock up. Right. Traditionally, they wouldn't be able to do that yeah. mm -hmm. because of, purely because of the financial constraint. And uh, in China, fintech companies like uh, uh, Alibaba and Finance or uh, JD, uh, they actually offer specialized programs right before this type of uh, uh, mm -hmm. event such that they enable this, uh, this type of uh, uh, operational improvement. So I think, yeah, there, there have been a lot of this type of instances. It has been very useful. So Nitish, from uh, and the India, uh, Indian market point of view, what are you, your views on that, uh, as in how it is impacting the Indian uh, market? Yeah, no, I think um, what I, um, I think the advantages fintech is offering worldwide. Uh, I think India remains a market which we can take advantage of that. What I'm seeing interestingly is that we are kind of uh, at the same pace uh, compared to the global market in certain products uh, when it comes to fintech. For example, lending or supply chain financing. Yeah. But then there are other products which are enabled by uh, either technology advancement or favorable regulations that are seeing in Europe. Uh, for example, fintech solutions for savings, fintech solutions for investment, which in India, there are not much such startups in this space, right? Yes. Or fintech solutions for insurance products. Right, right. These are all areas in US, um, thanks to uh, the... the the complications of the healthcare delivery there. Again, people can see how fintech firms are coming that are merging insurance uh, payment and the needs of a particular patient and making interesting products around that. And in India too, I think uh, there's a scope of um, merging fintech and healthcare solutions. So these are the products where India market is right now lagging. But I'm pretty sure that uh, in coming years, uh, we will get inspiration from we'll either up. the rest. Yeah. We'll yeah. So, uh, the, what challenges is challenges fintech is solving uh, in terms of supply chain finance? How is it uh, making supply chain uh, finance a much more easier process? So how is fintech uh, contributing in that? Okay. So, I think uh, in my view, uh, if you look into the conventional options of raising capital, right, by firms, uh, a supplier. Usually bank, thanks, uh, due to their cost of processing, high cost of processing, would like to go and engage with the supplier in a large scale, do bulk processing for them, batch processing for them. What FinTech has enabled for uh, suppliers is that 
even if I need a small cash right now, uh, I can just discount one particular invoice. So they are splitting the bad processing requirement of conventional financing system to more granular uh, options available now, right? That is the one big thing which is uh, changing. And the second is, it is enabling transactions from both sides uh, equally possible. Uh, you know, the buyers can initiate funding of suppliers. Suppliers can initiate funding requirement for themselves. It's uh, much more easier, convenient, and accessible. That is what is the key distinction. Uh, so I know there are a lot of uh, bankers um, in my network. And when they see, they basically comment that, okay, when we were in banks and evaluating companies for their credit uh, score and so on, we had a stick uh, standard process that will take a month or so. And we had a stringent requirement from the regulation point of view where we can give money. And FinTech is enabling innovative ways of evaluating credit risk. Right, right. Yeah. And uh, simplifying the process of application and getting access to the cash. That is the main difference that I see and the contribution. So Alex, how would you like to add in this? Uh, how is FinTech optimizing supply chain finance? Uh, I think what, what, what Nitesh said is absolutely, uh, absolutely true. Is uh, One big part is uh, FinTech has added a lot of flexibility in terms of product offering uh, related to supply chain finance. Uh, in the old days, when they uh, actually uh, when, when a company need to implement uh, factoring, for example, they actually uh, a lot of them require additional specialized people in their treasury de or department actually to do that. Right. So it's a huge transaction uh, fixed cost. Uh, right now, with technology, with for example technology enabled reverse factoring, that has uh, significantly lowered the entry barrier for them to do that. Uh, the other thing I think that is specific to supply chain finance is uh, actually, uh, because supply chain finance is a very sort of a physical process uh, involved uh, a lending form. And I, I think in the future, uh, there are a lot of already some uh, technology used in there, but I think uh, Internet of Things, yeah. uh, this type of technology that better links the uh, the online world, the online technology world with the physical world, or it links the physical flow with the information flow. I, I, I see big potentials there in terms related to supply chain finance as well. Yeah. Uh, so over the years, a lot of fintech startups have emerged. So how are these uh, startups impacting the growth of uh, other startups and uh, from uh, and other sectors also? How are they affecting other se sectors? Because not just uh, I mean, in just within fintech, a lot of startups have emerged, and they are kind of aiding other startups to come up, right? So, for example, for Credit Zone, mm -hmm. we uh, are we are kind of are assisting other startups and helping them with their working capital issues so they can uh, expand more. So, what are your views on that? Mm -hmm. um, I think this. Uh... From my perspective, this is a little bit like the example I was uh, I was giving earlier, right? So uh, through supply chain finance, uh, of course, the fintech companies can uh, help a lot of startups at the early stage to uh, to cut their 
basically uh, convert their cash cycle a lot, a lot uh, convert their cash a lot faster. Uh, that's one factor. The other factor, I think, uh, uh, that was also interesting is because fintech company, a lot of them are driven by a specific type of uh, financial service products or solutions. Uh, that also enables uh, a lot of um, uh, sort of technology that develops related technology for them. They're not necessarily a fintech company. Fintech startup, but they are a technology startup. Yeah, I think those are the two, sort of the two dimensions. Right. So, uh, Nitish, first we uh, talked about how mm -hmm. fintech right now is impacting the supply chain mm -hmm. finance. So, I would like to ask right. how, what more scope does it hold to, uh, you know, optimize the supply chain uh, process or, uh, you know, make it more better, more, make it more efficient. Is there any more scope for fintech to make it better or uh, we can just, you know, work on what they're currently working on? Uh, so, I think... Uh, the scope is humongous. Uh, if you look, uh, the number of uh, trade finance worldwide, right, it's in uh, trillions, right? Uh, there was an estimate like four years back, it was a $2 trillion trade finance need worldwide. And we are even the, with the conventional banks, we're only touching a part of it. Not the, We're not able to serve the major need. And fintech startups were only doing 15 to 20%. Now, what is interesting to see is that, you know, observe that banks in this entire system were trying to cater to companies that are more reliable, which can be called like investment grade customers, right? And fintechs are also because of right now at their stage, they're also kind of catering to the same firms. Uh, if you say, you still want preferably an IBM at the other end so that the retail investors or whoever is funding your uh, platform, uh, not platform, but funding those invoices or uh, knows that the other party will not default, right? right. So everybody is the same set of big reliable firms. What about the mid-size buyers and mid-size suppliers? That is not being catered. Now, can we find innovative solutions? Because that is where then you can bring a lot of, uh, you know, inefficiency tied up right now because nobody is willing to fund them. Right. Nobody, and because of that, they are not able to grow. So, if we are able to find a product that can also cater to these mid-sized firms, mid-sized buyers, mid-sized suppliers, then we can enable them to grow faster and that will be an engine for the economy. Right. Yeah. Speaking on these lines only, so what basically is basically penetration of fintech, uh, just not within the metropolitan cities, uh, but yeah. tier two, tier three cities as well. Right. Yeah. yeah. And uh, how? I mean, uh, what do you think? How many years down the lane can you do you think this happening? Well, uh, that will be a broad guess, but uh, I think what 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 will allow that to happen that I can conjecture is probably you will need a better mechanism to collect uh, more extensive data for these firms, which will enable a more better credit assessment or risk right. assessment, or even a a, a different approach of uh, looking into these firms as a portfolio of firms. Right. Where 
can try to bring down the risk exposure of these mid-sized firms. So there will be some product innovation, and there will be some uh, uh, technology penetration or even adaptation of technologies by these firms. Because if you imagine these mid-sized SMEs, they don't record their transactions digitally, right? right? Now, for a platform like Credex to go and convince them to start recording, because that is a gold mine information, right? Yeah. If I know your transactions, I know your reliability. Now, there are, as uh, uh, Alex said, there are other technology firms, not fintech, like supply chain technology firms, who are making products for these SMEs. But it's a, you know, it's a, it's an ecosystem that is going to evolve right. over time. Right. And uh, those are, those are the elements that are required, which will enable firms like Credex to cater to them. Right? There's a need. There's a humongous need. And if you are able to somehow cater to them, it will be very much beneficial for Indian market. Yep. So how do you, I mean, as, as much as I can understand from this entire conversation that you're having right now, is that FinTech essentially requires trust, especially, yeah. especially for MSME uh, sector and uh, the scope of uh, MSMEs and the amount of MSMEs all over the world is huge. I mean, the, that is the sector that is, I think, is quite untouched even today. Mm-hmm. So, how essentially will people uh, or will fintech uh, get this tr- uh, trust? Uh, how do you, I mean, what should be the process for this? When you say trust, you trust of uh, MSMEs on fintech, or you're saying trust of uh, investors who come to fintech platform? And I, th- th- yeah. I think it is both ways because first uh, to. Uh, taking the example of India, it's, then people are not very comfortable with technology, especially tier two, tier three cities right. even today, right? So first, getting them to uh, getting them to adapt the technology and then putting that trust money, which is a big, big thing, and you know, physical rather than physical money, putting it online is something that the people uh, MSMEs, especially in India, are fighting for it. I mean, it, it's you have to change their mindset completely. So this That's, process, how is it? How will it happen? I think it's not just in India. I think it's everywhere, right, Alex? It's it's, it's just something that's going everywhere. Yeah, I think it's it's an interesting point. Uh, I'm actually amazed of how fast the people in China has adopted uh, intact per se uh, payment, for example. Uh, about ten years ago, when I go back to China, I, I, it's very difficult for me to do online. Or, any sort of uh, online transaction because a credit card is not taken anywhere. Uh, last year, I was China. Uh, basically, I, I forgot. I didn't have any cash or credit card. Uh, I survived for the whole for a whole two weeks uh, with only electronic payment. And uh, even for, as you're saying, the lower tier cities, I think. China and India are probably comparable with a very big rural area, right? And uh, there, uh, even a lot of mom and pop shops, they, they grocery shops, uh, they accept electronic payment. It's, it's actually a lot easier for them to do that. They only require a QR code yeah. to see payment. Yeah. Right? I, I think that's uh, if we're talking about true financial inclusion, right? basically, you include, you include those people who never have 
financial service product. Uh, then I think payment is very important I think, to go with. Uh, of course, that, uh, the payment system allows you to, uh, to acquire very valuable information, uh, which can be further used for lending, deposit, investment purposes. So I, I think people will move back. As, long, as soon as they see the advantage, I, I trust people, they, they actually move very fast. Also, I think complementing to Alex's point, I think uh, what we will require is probably uh, intermediate hand-holding. So if you imagine in India, we have done uh, innovation of cash on delivery, right? That was never been done in Western e-commerce. Yeah. But we recognize that in India, even if you have uh, access to plastic money, people are not willing to use that because of either uh, some kind of... Uh, not trust in technological solutions and so on. So then we innovated with cash on delivery and then people saw the value of it. Yeah. And probably now yeah. those people are willing to participate with plastic money also. Right. right. And that is happening because uh, people uh, nowadays, like the delivery executives, they actually carry right. with them. Sure. Right. So likewise, uh, here, I think uh, even if let's say SMEs are not kind of right now really open to give access to their internal systems to a platform. Can we find an intermediate step where there is, you know, we are collecting information from them in the way they are comfortable, but then feeding into the platform, right? That will be a little higher acquisition cost, a higher operational cost, but the moment they will see the value of connecting to the platform, right? Ultimately, you are going to give access to their working capital. You will solve their working capital problem. Then they will be more willing to trust and join the platform. And uh, I think, again, uh, there, are, there are certain things that happen uh, in parallel. Uh, hopefully, the GST introduction, which is forcing these SMEs to be part of the digital age, right? They have to file continuously their taxes. That will, again, I think, change. But I think these are, these are certain cultural issues that will require innovations. And that's why probably India and China got cash on delivery. Uh, which was never imagined by the Western part, right? And India is uh, not just the companies in general, but the government is also working towards this financial uh, inclusion and digital India right now. Yeah, that's why. So, uh, if you could just briefly define the challenges that uh, fintechs are facing these days. I mean, trust, of course, we just talked, uh, we just had to worry about that. Apart from that. Yes. So I think in my view, the biggest uh, challenge that fintech uh, system is going to see in coming years is uh, how the regulators decide at what level they want to monitor right. and where is exactly uh, the role that they see. As I said earlier, uh, fintech startups have a very important role of innovation and breaking the legacy issues of conventional financial institutes, banking, which was stopping a lot of people to participate, which was stopping a lot of uh, inefficiencies to go away, right? But there is always a balance that needs to be made between uh, how much freedom you want to give. You might have heard about the, the company Robinhood in US who actually wanted to innovate uh, a credit and savings uh, product, but they were a little too eager. 
and the regulators have to come uh, hard on them and uh, stop that uh, extra friendly approach to customers right so yeah so that is one thing because even if you, if you see there are law in india itself you see there are a lot of uh, startups coming and trying to take advantage of lending products right, right? uh example money tap you have your salary coming in i'm willing to pay money to you yes. right that brings a different kind of uh, risk in the system which we are not able to right now quantify right and none of us know how will that unfold right so uh, and that was one of the you know origin point of even 2008 crisis people went little aggressive right. on credit products so this is a big challenge and the regions across globe they are doing bits and pieces here but nobody has taken a lead and clearly defining so there is no template that we can one can follow yeah so alex your views on that uh, yeah i think my, uh, my 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 concern is actually a little bit related to what nitesh was saying uh Uh, overall the, the financial for financial uh, industry i'm a little bit concerned about the resilience of uh, this fintech uh, this fintech startups uh, after all, i think most of the technology fintech firms they're like technology firms they have uh, in general they, there is a very sort of volume driven sort of way to to think about how to expand the market but for uh, uh, for for financial uh, service uh, there is you have to go through the cycle in order to actually see but i think it, it is a challenge but it's actually also opportunity for the food firms who are more resilient actually to if they can survive a, a financial a financial circle a economic circle then that, that's actually their, yeah so so they was right uh it is so recently uh, if you would have uh, read this uh, ilnfs uh, psco happened and mm-hmm. uh, it affected uh, a lot of uh, i mean the trust factor for fintech was and uh, people uh, putting their money on that was affected a lot so yes. your, what are you using it why do you i mean uh, how is it going to be because still one after the other something or the other is coming up right definitely so see that and i think that that's why what alex was saying uh, is uh, very relevant for fintech firms uh, at the end of the day uh, we uh, the fintech firms see themselves as a technology provider technology is uh, enabled solutions right all right finance has been uh, there need there's a very important need to balance the risk side when you are offering financial services yes and uh, some companies do much uh, credible job of that being careful but you don't know what is the uh, for, for me if i when i look into different uh, let's say lending startups in india right crazy b money tap these are black boxes to me they do provide me some assurity that they are using machine learning and advanced algorithms for this but do i really want to participate because they they are a platform they are lending to you but they need some offer money right how much exposure i am taking is not very clear Right, 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 and that is something. Uh, as Alex said, uh, we have to see a cycle. I think some somebody may fail. There will be a event, and then uh, people will see. Okay, at what level we need to balance the equilibrium? Need to come. Right now, it is becoming too much 
aggressive on yes. one side. Yes. Yeah. So, um, coming to the um, last question, what could be in store for fintech, and uh, what scope does it hold? Apart from that, what should what steps should be taken to solve the uh, hurdles that fintech is currently facing? I mean, part of it you answered the uh, just. Uh, previous to yeah. prior to this but uh, what more could be done alex you want to uh, well for, for me i think is uh if it's, it's one word is uh is financial inclusion right. i think yeah was the technology should enable uh lowering the finance, uh, transaction cost and it should most benefit the what we call the, the long tail right whether you look at uh, supply chain finance those are Traditionally, reverse factoring, the, the large companies are only willing to include those uh, their large strategic suppliers. Right. When we look at dynamic discounting, which is more technology-driven, uh, that enables them to include a long tail of their suppliers. Uh, or we talk about the consumer side, uh, in rural areas, uh, people could definitely benefit from mobile payments, uh, from more technology, digital bank, etc. Thanks, uh, yeah. Sure. Uh, should I? Okay. In my in my view, I think yeah. uh, uh, I think adding to the Alex point of view, inclusion is one definitely uh, objective that fintech firms will try to meet. The other thing is what I see again from the Indian point of view. I'll, I'm I'm curious to see when uh, something called super app will come emerge in India. If you see those are the successful models in uh, other regions. Uh, last year, if you uh, follow the South Korean market, the TOS FinTech has become a super app from payments to savings product to insurance products to uh, trading kind of thing often, right? So in India, we have seen uh, Paytm has a payments uh, option, but yep. how will it be? grow and start offering more and more products because then there's an advantage of scale and then there's also advantage of trust. You know, once one I trust one brand, okay. I can trust in other products also. And that will also drive inclusion in various aspects of offerings that fintech can offer, right? Yes. Uh, imagine somebody becoming Tata or fintech, right? Tata is a brand that you can trust things. Yeah. We need we find a Tata of fintech and uh, probably that will also yeah that is a future i see at least in the indian market true uh, thank you uh, alex and uh, nitish for giving your time uh, you so you just want to like conclude something or say just uh, you know you want to add something that's not uh, that i uh, missed to ask as a question or something that people should know Oh, Alex, I'll let you go first. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, to, to, to summarize, I think uh, FinTech is absolutely an area that I'm very passionate about, and especially for the emerging, uh, emerging markets. Uh, I see huge uh, potential there, both for business and for, for individual customers. So, yeah, really excited about it. Anything you would like to I think um, I'm very excited about how the fintech will evolve in Indian market. 
and uh, how the different how the indian government which i'm very hopeful uh, uh, will take a call on it they are they the there's a strong leadership there and they can set the example of how this should be looked into they can unlock the value and i'm uh, at least whatever i've seen and interacted with uh, the leadership at credex i'm very uh, pleased by the balanced approach they have taken uh, or they take uh, in defining their products to balance the need of all the stakeholders and balance the exposure they are giving to their investors